For those of you that are here for the first time, or if you've been here the last several weeks, we're in a series titled Emojis, and this is week number five of our emoji series. And we've been dealing with emotional intelligence. We've been dealing with what emotional intelligence is, being aware of others' emotions, and we talked about the levels of intelligence of being able to empathize and being able to be aware of yourself and your emotions or whatnot. And today, we're going to tackle a new one. Once we've tackled this past few weeks, we talked about fear. We talked about the emotion of fear and how that is not something that comes from God. However, God is not giving you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. We talked about anger. You know, we all deal with anger. I was speaking with someone earlier today that was telling me about a situation, and my question to them was, hey, if you play the situation that happened back, could you have handled it differently? And they're like, oh, very well. I could could have done this or done that. And one of the things that we talked about was the fact that anger can be managed and it can be avoided. And one of the ways to avoid it is to, to, to kind of play through the scenario even before you say anything. We talked about anxiety, something that plagues so many different people. But the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication, make your requests be known to God. We also talked about sadness and how unchecked sadness can lead you into depression. And church, I want to be clear, and I want to say this again, I can't stress it enough. If you're dealing with depression, it's okay, just don't do it alone. Don't isolate yourself because many times isolation leads you to being all alone and wanting to end yourself even at times. And so we need to run to God, run to his presence. We need to make sure that we are getting even healthily, healthy in a physical sense so that we're able to deal with these different situations. There are certain people that do have a chemical imbalance or a diagnosed disorder. However, If you really look at the root of the situation, it is less people that are being medicated for a real chemical imbalance than many times people being medicated just because of different situations. And I want to be clear on something. I'm not talking just about medication that you get a prescription for. I'm talking about those that medicate themselves to be able to deal with situations with alcohol, with drugs, with watching TV shows and that's all that they do or, or, or going and doing a certain thing that has become an addiction in their life and it's all in the sense of this is how I can cope with situations. That's a medication that you are giving to yourself and the true answer is God. And today I want to talk about happiness, okay? Now, there's a great big difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is always dependent on something else. Happiness is dependent. It is externally triggered by things. And I put a few of them here on the screen. Like, Happiness can be triggered by people. If I have a good relationship with this person, then I'm happy. But the minute that person doesn't answer your phone call, you lose your happiness. Happiness can be triggered by things. Many times material things. I want to have more. I want to have, I want my kids to have more than I had. And and this thing of I want more and more. And only if I had this, then I will be happy. I gave you guys the illustration several months back of the book that we use in schools called The Greedy Triangle. And the Greedy Triangle, if you've never read it or looked at it, you can read it in, 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 in the whole, you know, story of it. But in essence, it's a book that's used to teach kids shapes. 
But it talks about this triangle that he sees a square. And he says, if I had one more side and one more angle, then I will be happy. And he becomes magically a square. But then he sees a pentagon and he says, if I had one more side and one more angle, then I'll be happy. But then he sees a hexagon and a septagon and an octagon and nonagon and all the different things until he has so many sides and so many angles that he rolls down the hill and says, if I was only a triangle, then I'd be happy. See, many times we're like that greedy triangle thinking if I only had this, that will bring happiness. But happiness is triggered by things joy is not. When you talk about places, right, if I only visit this place, if I get there, you talk about your thoughts. You know, last week, and I encourage you to hear last week's message if you haven't, but we talked about something called ruminating, where you are kind of chewing over the same thought over and over again, and it leads you down a dark road. Events. Oh, this big party's coming. You know, it's my daughter's 15s, or it's a wedding, or it's this, or it's the other, and that's going to be, but as soon as the event ends... There went the happiness. Happiness and joy are not the same thing. True happiness, it comes from your relationship with God. True happiness, it comes from God. I want to read a couple of Bible verses leading with that. Go to Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. I'm going to start with that one there. It says this, You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence is fullness of joy. You know, if you've heard different parts of the series, many of the things that we talk about, a response to dealing with emotion in our life is seeking the presence of God. The reason is every single person on the face of the earth is born with two things a sin nature, and a void that only God can fill. And many times, we try to fill these voids with places, things, people, relationship, and we're never able to maintain joy because we are living a roller coaster of happy, sad, happy, sad, I'm okay now, I lost this, I'm not okay. It it, it doesn't work that way. Following the presence of God, getting into a relationship with him is what gives you that true source of happiness. Nehemiah chapter 8, if you go to Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 10, it says this, Nehemiah 8, 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow or do not be sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, how many of you ever heard anybody tell you that the joy of the Lord is your strength? Anybody ever heard that before? Now, I'm going to ask you to be honest for a second. Have you ever been having a really bad day in the middle of a really bad circumstance and a Christian brother comes up to you and says, remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you're like, what the heck does that mean? Or am I the only person that asks questions like that? It's like, you're telling me the joy of the Lord, my sister, but, but, but give me a little something more, right? Like, 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 what does the joy of the Lord is your strength mean? So let me break down to you what was happening in the book of Nehemiah here. Nehemiah and, oh man, in, I just went to Spanish. Estras, Ezra, sorry. Uh, I was like, it's not Esther, it's Estras. Okay, anyways, I digressed. Ezra. 
Ezra is a prophet, and he's living at the same time as Nehemiah. And the walls of the city had been destroyed. So they get permission from the king to go back and repair the city walls. And so the Bible says in the book of Nehemiah that with one hand they repaired the wall, and with the other hand they had the sword in hand ready to fight if another attack came. So here they are in the midst of this, and Ezra begins to tell the people, recount to them what the scripture said, what was the law of God, what it said. And the law of God said that they were supposed to be worshiping God, that they weren't supposed to have idols, that they weren't supposed to be doing all these different things. And the children of Israel had begun to intermarry with people from the land, the promised land that God had said, get everybody out, do not intermarry with them, do not mix with them. They had begun to do all these different things. So they became sad and they became grieved and they're there before God trying to repent and get right. And Ezra looks at them and says, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, you have messed up. We have messed up royally, but the joy of the Lord is our strength because he is a God who forgives. He is a God who restores. He's a God who lifts up. What does it mean to have that joy? It doesn't matter what the circumstance is, is being able to understand that through that circumstance, God's going to bring you out, that you don't have to stay there, that you don't have to fix it or deal with it alone. I am so tired of hearing people tell me when I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? I haven't seen you in a while. It's like, oh, I'm going through some stuff. And when I get myself right, then I'll go back to God. Isolation. Lie of the enemy. You don't fix it by yourself. Again, I mean, I I don't know how many times I've said it, but you're probably tired of me hearing me say it. You don't go to the doctor after you get over the cold. I mean, you don't wake up and you're throwing up continuously and it's like, oh, when when I stop throwing up for several hours and I'll go to the emergency room. No, there's a problem. I go to the one that can help me. And it needs to be the same way with God. When we're feeling down, when something's happening, understand the sorrow doesn't need to be there. God is there to pick you up, to lift you up, to get you to the other side. It is the joy of the Lord. And do you know this? You can do things that are wrong, which cause you then to be happy. Many of us, we feel happiness And it was because we were doing something that was wrong. And I'm going to support it with scripture. I'm not just making this up. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse number 16. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, I'm going to pause it for a second. I've explained this in times past, but I'll say it again. Lust means desires. We think of the word lust and we automatically think of sexual, which many times when you're lusting after someone, it is something or something, it is sexual in nature. However, the definition of the word lust is a strong desire. So it's saying walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the strong desires that pull you of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, 
idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, many of those things in the flesh will make you feel happy, right? You know, human beings are the only created creature that has sexual intercourse for pleasure, not just for procreation. And why do people enter into fornication, which is having sex outside of marriage, and adultery, which is having sex with someone who's not your spouse after being married? It makes them feel good. Mm, I'm happy. I just got. But that wasn't a happiness, number one, that's lasting, and number two, not something that came from God. You think about some of these other things, outbursts of wrath. How can that make you happy? Have you ever given anybody a piece of your mind? And you feel good about yourself? I told them, you know, you should. They needed to hear the truth. And I let it out. I gave them a piece of my mind. And now I feel good about myself. I feel happy as I let it out. That's not godly. But it bought a momentary joy. Drunkenness is drinking inherently a sin. No, the Bible says that getting drunk is a sin. However, there's many a people that don't realize that they have an addiction to alcohol because they have to have their glass of wine to unwind. Newsflash, that's a medication. The very same way that you have guys that'll get home is like, I can't, I have to unwind, I have to watch Sports Center. No, 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 that's a medication. Anything that you have to do, that you can't be without, that you're not the same without, is a medication that you're giving yourself. Many times we have a stigma of people taking medication because it's a medicine. No, 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 no. Many people around the world, including Christians, are medicating themselves every single day. Alcohol, drugs, things they watch on TV, things. That, if it's something you have to do, I heard somebody say, I, I, I just, I'm not happy without it. It's such a sacrifice. Sorry, I'm letting you know if you're telling me that you can't be happy without having this, whatever that may be. You can fill in the blank. There's a problem because the source of true happiness is God. So just because you're happy doesn't mean you're in the right. As a matter of fact, many times as parents, we do things so that our kid is happy. I was at the Apple store on Friday. Abigail and Alexandra were taking a camp at the Apple Store, which, by the way, Apple Store, the Microsoft Store, they do free classes for kids. You just got to sign them up and take them. And, and they were learning how to code, so we took them to this free summer camp, okay? You got to know what you can get for free because you got to live on a budget, all right? So I'm at the Apple Store, Abigail and Alexandra are doing their thing, and I'm sitting with, with Samantha, 
in the little table that they have four iPads on for little kids to like play with or whatever, right? So Samantha's there playing with the number two and moving these things onto the iPad and, and three other kids are there and I'm sitting there with her and this mom got there with three kids. And uh, they, they were there and one of, somebody got up from the table so one of her kids sat there and somebody else got up so the other kids sat there. And this other little kid, about five, six years old, give or take, he's there standing literally right behind Samantha. I want to play! And, and I'm waiting for the mom to tell me, can you give my kid a shot? To be like, yo, be a parent and educate your child. I didn't have to get there, thank God. I didn't sin. I didn't fail that test because I would have failed miserably. I'm telling you, I would have failed that one, all right? I'm being honest. <laughs> and then the lady's like, no, you know, whatever his, the kid's name was. You know, no, just be careful. And she just said to the brother, like, listen, I need you to let your other brother play so he can be happy. I want you to do this so he can be happy. And that's what we're doing as parents many times. Something doesn't belong to your kid. And it's like, no, no, come on. Just, you, you, you have to share. No, you're not teaching how to share. You're teaching them that happiness comes from getting what they want. You teach your kids how to share, but not when they're giving you perreta, like, you know, I don't know how to say that in English. It doesn't have a word in English. It doesn't sound the same. Tantrum doesn't sound the same as perreta, okay? He had a temper tantrum. No. Tu una perreta. And you say the R. You roll that R. Perreta. All right, anyways. You don't satisfy them and say, oh, yeah, here, you know. And, and you know what happened, right? Somebody finally got up, and then they sat there. But then that iPad wasn't one they wanted. You know, then they wanted the other one. Getting what you want, because that's what's going to make me happy, is living a life of emotion. And we are emotional beings... God created us with emotion. I'm not saying dismiss your emotion because dismissing emotions is ungodly. But living by your emotions is also ungodly. So we need to understand something. If your happiness is contingent on something, your unhappiness is also contingent on that very same thing leaving. Pastor Fernie says something all the time. He's on vacation this weekend, so we're blessing him. They're having a great time on a cruise. It's okay to go on vacation. I encourage you. We talked about it in the rhythm seasons. Everybody should take vacation every year. Okay? Doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go spend a lot of money. Take a, do a, take four days off and do a staycation. Okay? And drive to the beach every day. But you need time off. It is healthy. I'm going to get back to the preaching and the word of God now. All right. He says something. If you're, only source of encouragement is from people, so will be your discouragement. And I'm not sure if he came up with that or he heard that from someone else, but I heard it from him, and I think that's so true. If your happiness is contingent, well, I just want them to be happy. I just want them to be happy. I just want happy, and I just want happy, and I don't want thing. I just want... No, you're living a roller coaster. Your true source of happiness, joy, comes from God. Look at what Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
If we go back to Galatians chapter 5, after it talks about those different things of uncleanness, of the lusts and desires of the flesh, it actually says then, and the fruit of the Spirit, go back to Galatians 5, I think it's verse like 18 or 20. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The desires of the flesh make us do things that bring us a temporary, doesn't last happiness, but the pursuit of God brings you joy that even in the midst of struggle, you know everything's going to be okay. I mean, did Jesus not go to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray three times to his father? If there's any other way past this cup from me, have you read that in your Bible? Jesus was saying, God, I don't want to go. Dad, I don't want to go through this physical anguish. If there's another way to save everybody, now's the time to let me know. But you know what Jesus said? Because he went to the cross. He said, I count it as joy. Jesus was able to be joyful facing the cross because he knew that that he was facing was going to allow all of us to get to the Father. To get this happiness, it's about you. When you're dealing with joy, it's about others. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was that. Joy comes from the Lord. Here's the second thing. Joy is medicine. Joy is a medicine. Proverbs chapter 22 says this. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1722. Sorry, I inverted it. 1722. A merry heart, happy, joyful heart, does good like medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. A joyful heart is a medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. We need to strive to be joyful, even in the midst of whatever it is that we're facing. Joy is a medicine. I also want to talk about the fact that joy is a mandate. It was a command. Joy is a command. Being joyful is a command. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Philippians 4, 4. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Not in things, not in people, not in circumstance. Rejoice. Be fulfilled. Be joyful in the Lord. And then he reiterates it, right? Like, once you hear it once, but then they say it a second time. Again, I say, rejoice. A verse that I feel every Christian should know is this next one, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Super long verse. Look what it says. Rejoice always. <laughs> rejoice, not sometimes, not every once in a while. Rejoice always. There's always something that you can be joyful about. Pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand how difficult this situation is right now. I got a question for you. 
Did you wake up this morning? Give God thanks for that. I mean, were you able to see? Give God thanks for that. Do you understand that there's always someone dealing with something worse than you? But we are so selfish. This one might hurt a little bit, but I'm going to go there. We are so selfish as people that even in the scientific community, we thought that the sun revolved around us, didn't we? That's how selfish mankind is. It's all about me. If I had to put a number to it, I would say that somewhere between 70 to 85% of countings that my wife and I do, the root of the situation that we're dealing with with that person or that couple or whatever it is, is selfishness. But what about me? But what about me? But what about me? And both people are saying, but what about me? And what about me? Abo, it ain't about you. You're trying to fill the void that can only be filled by God by someone else. It's like trying to stick a square peg in a round hole. A round hole in the square peg. How's the saying go? I said it right? Okay, good. No, I'm just, I got confused there for a second. You know? The lights are bright. Sometimes we're trying to do And we don't understand why is it that the more we do, the more empty we feel. And it's because we're not filling the void with the only thing that can fill it, which is that relationship with God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice always. Joy is a medicine. Joy is a medicine. Joy is a command or a mandate. And I want to talk briefly three things that we can do, okay? Three things that we can do to be joyful, to live in joy. One of those things is we need to look for laughter. We need to purposely look for stuff to laugh. Some of y'all in here, if I were to ask you, when's the last time you truly had like belly laugh to the point of crying? Your mind might not be able to go to far back how young you were. I mean, have you ever heard kids? I got three of them, right? And there's in the back seat sometimes. And one of them will do something and start laughing. And then the other one will start laughing. And the baby who has got no clue what they're saying starts laughing. And you're driving like, what's so funny? Like, I don't, I don't get it. What's so funny? And they're like, <laughs> and they're laughing because they laugh at things. What happened? We forgot how to laugh because of traumas and pains and circumstance and life. My girls were watching a movie of the American, uh, American Girl brand uh, the other day. Uh, they were watching the story of Melody. It's one of the one of the girls in American Girl. It's a, one of the African American characters, and uh, the movie's going around her story. And um, Melody's being raised by mom and grandpa's also in the picture. 
And uh, she's telling mom how she wants to be an astronaut and she wants to do this. And mom's encouraging her, you can do it, you can work hard or whatever. And the grandfather is saying, tell her the truth. She's going to have difficulty. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be, right? It's said in the time period specifically that our country was living in in a bad time of of much racism and segregation or whatnot. That's like the time period. And the grandfather's like, tell her the truth. Let her know. And the mom's like, no, I'm going to encourage her that she can do it. But many times we have allowed voices to beat the joy out of us. To beat the laughter out of us. We've got to look for laughter. You know what's the truth? Can I be honest? Alexandra was telling me about the movie as we were walking over to the Apple store. I'm pushing the stroller. I got Abigail here and Alexandra here. And and Alexandra's telling me the story. And in the movie, one of the teachers had been referring to her being a colored girl. And mom said, you're not colored. You are black. We are not colored, right? Like, and so Alexandra's using the term, and I'm looking around like, is somebody going to think that I'm a racist? Is somebody going to think that we're talking bad about somebody? And, and I got to the point, because there were people around. I was like, tell me in the car. Tell me in the car. Am I the only one that thinks of stuff like that? No, it's the society we're living in, right? And I'm looking at her, and I'm saying, Mama, let's not talk about it now, because the last thing I need is somebody to hear and think that we're teaching our children something and that's not right and that would be wrong. And so what, you know what, I think that's a mistake on my part. I missed the mark. I shouldn't be afraid of her using a proper term. Because that might make kill her the joy in her. We're so fearful of stuff. I mean, we laugh about something, and then we're like, hey, stop laughing. We don't want somebody to think we're laughing at them. Anybody been there before? So we are conditioning. It is so demonic. We are conditioning ourselves to not laugh when the joy of the Lord, the hope of we having God, of what he's going to do for us is the strength that propels us to go forward. One of the key things, church, we need to look for laughter. If you're married and you and your wife don't laugh, call me. We'll set up a counseling because it's coming. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying you're you know, doomed, but you got to be able to laugh. You got to be able to laugh at circumstances. You got to be able to laugh at each other. You know what I did yesterday? You all want to laugh a little bit? We, 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 we got home from a birthday party and, and we, we made, uh, 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 by we, cause Patty started, I finished the picadillo, right? We we're making some, some picadillo and, and stuff. And then I'm gonna put away the leftovers and I put it in a Tupperware and I put it in a drawer. <laughs> I kid you not. I put it in a Tupperware, I close it up and I open, I open the drawer with the knives and the forks and the spoons and put it in. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing? It goes in the fridge. I found the ice cream in a cupboard the other day. Thank God it had just been put away like 10 minutes before. It wasn't too bad. So we, I, I, I call, I start cracking up. I'm like, Patty, look what I just did. She's like, what happened? I was like, I put the picadillo in a drawer. <laughs> laugh, people, laugh. We need to laugh. Laughter is healthy. We need to anchor our thoughts 
Anchor your thoughts in victory. I played baseball when I was younger. I wasn't very good, but I played. I tried. And one of the things that, you know, the coach would always tell you and stuff like that was like, you need to keep in your mind that you're going to hit the ball or, or, or think of the last good hit. Don't think about your previous strikeout. Because if you go up to the plate thinking about striking out, guess what? <laughs> you're going to strike out. we got to anchor our thoughts in victory. I've read the end of the book. We win. You may be sick now, but in heaven, you're going to have a glorified body. You may not be able to understand and be dealing with situations right now, but in heaven, the gold, the streets are made of gold. We look on with the victory that we have. It says, again, it's what Ezra and Nehemiah were saying. Don't be sorrowful. The joy of the Lord is our strength. He's a redeemer. He's a forgiver. He's a restorer. He's a healer. He'll never abandon you. He'll never leave you. You got so much stuff to be joyful about. Anchor your thoughts in victory. Anchor your thoughts in gratitude. In gratitude. You know what? All of you are here in this building today. You need to thank God that you were able to get out of bed, get in a car that perhaps was yours. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe you Ubered or Lyft or came walking. I don't know. But you're here. There's people that wanted to be here and are in a hospital bed. Or there's people that wanted to be here and couldn't come. Anchor your thoughts in gratitude. If we get tied to that negative thought, guess what? That's where we're going. Your mind is the battlefield. And wherever you go in your thoughts, that's where you end up. Which is why the Bible says that sin begins in a thought. Which is, we talked about the last two weeks when we dealt with anxiety and we dealt with sadness and depression. Your thoughts, the Bible says that to think about what is true, what is pure, what is noble, if anything has good report in it, anything praiseworthy, think upon that. If we're only thinking about the bad stuff, right? Like, how many times, I'm going to ask, I'm not going to ask you to give an example of anything, but how many times have we not missed out on something great because we were festering over one little thing that went bad? You're there, you know, I'm going to give a, a drastic example. Unfortunately, you and your spouse are divorced. You only have your kid every other weekend. And here you are. You had your son or daughter. You had them all day Saturday. You were having a great time. You were doing this. And, and, and it ends and you're like, man, I just wish I had more. And, and you forget all the good that happened that weekend. You miss out on all the good that you were able to have in the moment you had. So many times we miss out on stuff. Because we didn't get what we wanted. It goes back to the beginning of the preaching. Happiness is different than joy. And if it's just about what it's me, 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 we miss out on some of the stuff God has for us. You got to anchor your thoughts in victory. Anchor your thoughts in gratitude. I like sports. And I enjoy going to games where my team wins. 
But sometimes, you know, you get tickets to a game, you go, you cheer, everything's great, you're excited, but at the last minute, your team lost. And you're like, man, why the heck did I come? I just wasted all this time. I can't believe it. No, 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 no. Be grateful. You were able to go to the game. You were able to sit there. You were able to cheer. You were able to eat the hot dog and your popcorn and your this and, and all this stuff. So what if one little portion didn't come out how you have wanted? Being grateful for what you have and the victories. Being grateful. You need to be intentional. What do I mean by be intentional? Hey, you will not do anything that you not, do not set time to do. Even as something as simple as your laundry in the house, the dishes. I mean, I don't know one person. Maybe you're the one person is here, but I don't know one person gets home and is like, woohoo, I just got home, I get to do laundry, yeah! Is that you? You're that one person? Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. Yes! I finished the dishes and there's seven more plates. Yeah! But you got to make time to do it, right? You have to make time to do it. Be intentional. Go on a walk. Take time to go on a walk. Not because I need to lose weight to see God's creation. Be intentional to go out and say, wow, man, like the intricacies that God did to design that tree or that bird or that fish, whatever it is, like take time to go reflect. Find out what events you have in your city that are free and go to them. If they're healthy, obviously. They had this free party at this thing or whatever. Yeah, maybe I don't want to go to that place, but you get what I'm saying. The zoo has an open free day and you haven't been able to take your kids anywhere because budget's tight. Find out when it's free and take them. Don't commiserate in the hard time and be like, no, I can't take you. We can't afford it. Then you got your, you know, seven-year-old going to school frustrated and failing tests because they don't think that we're going to be able to pay rent and putting an added pressure on them. We have a lot of teachers that come here. I'm a former classroom teacher. I can't tell you enough how many times I would hear kids freaking out about stuff, and it was because of what they're hearing at home. Your kids have to have, they have no, they don't need to know. Protect them. You guard them the same way that God does with us. Find what events are going on and, and take advantage of it. You know something my wife and I do? If we're going to go eat somewhere on a date night or whatever, before we go, we go to Groupon. I like that restaurant. Let's see. Oh, look, they have the thing that I pay, I pay 10 bucks and it gives me a $20 credit. Guess what? That extra 10 bucks is going to mean that I'm going to get to go on a date night again next week. As an example. Find out and use it. Oh, I don't cut coupons. I don't do this. No, find out what's free and take advantage of it and laugh and have some joy. Be intentional. Go sightseeing. You know what? In a couple of months, people are going to put Christmas lights all around your neighborhood. It's free to get in the car and drive around and say, wow, look at those lights, how pretty. Kazuntite. Look at that. Wow, look at that one. But the devil has us wrapped in our mind. Oh, I can't. I want to take them to Santa's, but I can't afford it. 
driving around the neighborhood is free. <laughs> Go park in a neighborhood that puts a lot of lights and walk them around. Be intentional to laugh and create memories and do things because it's healthy. And joy is not contingent on things that you have or you don't. Joy comes from your relationship with God. Y'all know, those of you that know me, know that to me, the word of God, that is supreme. But I also believe that doctors were created by God. So I did some research on some of the stuff of joy and happiness from the secular psychologist, doctor in psychology's view. Look what this person said. Is there a relationship between happiness and joy? And their answer was this yes and no. Joy is something that lasts. Happiness is something that's temporary. Joy is an inner conscience belief. Happiness is external. Some people may feel for a short time, for example, when they buy something that they desire, happiness. Joy brings with it a freeing of contentment when someone is in the middle of a life storm. He's not a Christian psychologist either. Watch this. They have here how people tried, uh, I'm sorry, what was the thing? A few tips on how to feel joy. Choose to smile. Choose to smile. Then it says one here, watch, it says meditation and imagining. That's devil speak for free your mind and think of good things. But what is the true thing? Think about what God says and who God says you are. Because God doesn't see a broken individual. He sees someone worthy to send his son to die for When you can look at it through that perspective, it changes things. Look what else this psychologist wrote. Positive thinking. Feeling grateful. All this stuff is in the Bible. We'll take it from the mouth of a psychologist, but we won't take it from the mouth of God. You know that I've found too many times Christians are willing to believe that God Send Jesus to die for them and they're going to spend eternity in heaven, but they can't believe God to live a good life now? To live a life full of joy and peace? Church, there's a saying that you are what you think. And the truth is that if you are not thinking God's thoughts about you, you're headed for a life of unhappiness and a roller coaster of emotions. But when you can understand what God says about you, who you are in Christ, when you can understand that you are a conqueror, that you are more than enough, that you are his child, his son, or his daughter, you are able to understand that the joy of the Lord is your strengths. Again, I want to be clear. Every one of us has a void that can only be filled by God. And we need to strive
to fill that void. I learned something a couple years ago when we were doing construction at the house. We put our windows. And if you've ever installed a window in your house, they, you know, they, they, they measure, they put the window and they, they put the window in place and then they get a drill and they, they drill holes into the concrete and, and they use concrete screws like Tapcons or whatnot to, to go in there and, and hold it and anchor it so it's there. And the inspector came and he looked at it and he looked at it and he looked at the screws and he says, you, you're failing the expansion. Like, what do you mean I'm failing the inspection? He said, your screws here at the bottom are exposed. You need to put some silicone or you need to put some caulking on the screws on the bottom. And I'm like, is that written down somewhere? Like, yeah, I missed something. He's like, it's something we've learned recently that, you know, windows, when it rains, water comes into your track. And that's why they have a little slit to let the water go out. However, if, 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 if the screw, it doesn't have a covering of the silicone to make it waterproof, with time, that water seeps into the screw area and rusts out the screw, which then makes your window weak. I said, I got the silicone gun in the corner. I'll be right back. And I went and put the silicone on all the different things to guard it to last. And some of us, we are doing exterior beautifications, okay? I'm not talking about your physical, but just bear with me. We're trying to make things look right and investing in this and that or the other. And we're not understanding that if we don't put the silicone on what's holding it in place, eventually it'll fall. And you know what holds everything in place? We're trying to do everything and forgetting to put God. But when you put God, everything lasts. So I challenge you, as we're dealing with our emotions, give God the place he deserves. Put him in your life and let him fill the void that only he can fill. Church, we can overcome fear anger, sadness, anxiety. We can live a life of joy instead of happy moments. Do you know that you can be unhappy or sad and full of joy at the same time? Nah, pastor, you're crazy. Have you ever lost a loved one and go to their funeral and you're in pain physically because you're never going to see this person again, but at the same time, you know they had Jesus in their heart, so you're filled with the joy that you're going to see them in heaven again? You were sad and full of joy. But happiness will never last if joy is not in the mix. As a matter of fact, there's a psalm that says that tears and sadness may last for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. Church, the joy of the Lord, knowing that even when you messed up and things are bad, He's there to pick you up. That is your strength.